Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey everyone, welcome to MLB.com Extras. Today we are talking Mets baseball, and there's a lot to talk about. We bring in Wayne Randazzo, who's filling in for Anthony DiComo. Wayne, free agent market finally broke open last night. Jay Bruce decides to reunite with the Mets on a three-year, $39 million deal. What was your initial reaction to the signing? Well, the initial reaction to, for me was, was what you just mentioned, the, the years and the money that Jay Bruce was looking for is not what he got. Uh, you know, I know that he was thinking he'd be somewhere around the four-year, uh, $60 million mark, you know, maybe at, at the very least. And it turns out that he had to accept a lot less than that. As uh, the Mets made the, made the offer, he pounced right on it and signed it. So it seemed like, you know, I don't even know if there was any other comparable offers out there, but uh, it seemed like 3 and, and 39 was the best that Jay would get, and uh, that's what he took. Who do you believe this deal benefits more, Bruce or the team? Well, I mean, certainly the, the Mets get a lot out of this. I, I think they get, at a, at a pretty good value, uh, a guy that uh, is going to hit a lot of home runs, who still has a lot of good baseball left in him. And, uh, you know, a guy's not going to break the bank. Uh, I think that it's, it's important to have a, a clubhouse leader in there. And we, we talked about that last week, that this team was in desperate need of somebody that, could be a voice in that clubhouse because they traded so many of those guys that they lost a lot of leadership. So uh, I think he brings a tremendous amount of leadership to this team. So, you know, as far as where he'll play, you know, I'm sure they'll have him in right field a lot of the time. I'm sure he could play first base some. And, uh, you know, I still think there's going to be room for a guy like Juan Lagares to still get enough playing time in center field between you know, Conforto, some uncertainty there as far as when he'll be able to play. You know, if Jay Bruce is playing first base on a given day, obviously Lagares would play center. And then, you know, it's suspicious. You hope that you, you have him out there for the large majority of the games. But, you know, if he does need a few days off here and there, then, again, you have Lagares who could, who could play left, who could play center field, and, and Conforto could scoot over to left. I think the big question for Mets fans is, and I know they're excited about Jay Bruce because they like what he's brought to the team already, but why do the Mets prefer to bring players back rather than bring in fresh blood? Yeah, I think there's just a comfortability there. If you're, if you're going to bring in a guy who's, who's a left-handed hitter with, with power, uh, first-base outfield type, you know, Jay Bruce probably is the best option anyway. I, I think that he's, you know, he's up there as far 
as uh, still being able to produce. I mean, he had a very good season last year. He was a guy who had over 30 home runs. I mean, if you're going to be, if you're not looking at a guy like J.D. Martinez, um, you know, if that's out of your price range, or an Eric Hosmer, then you're kind of looking at that next tier. And, you know, Jay Bruce is probably the one of the better options there. So why not bring in a guy that you know, that knows you, that's already performed as a member of the Mets, that has respect in the clubhouse? Uh, you know, I think it's just a matter, almost like they re-signed their own player. I mean, you almost have to kind of take out the fact that he was in Cleveland, although that might have been part of the reason why he came back. You know, he got to know Mickey Calloway a little bit there. Uh, and, you know, the, there's, again, just another extra layer of comfort there for Jay Bruce. So, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense that these two know each other, that there's, you know, already a, a sense that, that they know what they're going to get from one another. And, you know, I, I don't I don't look at it as a, a negative by any means that they brought back a player that, that performed for them. How successful does Jay Bruce have to be this season in order for the signing to be considered a, con- a success? Well, I think they know what they're, what they're going to get out of him. He just needs to do it. I, I don't, you know, this is not a guy that has ever been inconsistent. I, I think that throughout his career, if you look at his numbers year in and year out, you know, they're virtually the same. I, I think this is just, this is just who Jay Bruce is. He's, he's going to pop 30 home runs. He's going to drive in close to 100 runs. You know, he's not going to hit for an incredibly high average. They'll give you what he gives you defensively. They hope that you know maybe a little bit more comfort at first base will help him uh, be a better first baseman than he's been in the past, or at least more of a first baseman than he's been in the past. I think that's important that they get him some time there. Um, but otherwise, you know, I don't, I don't think there's going to be any surprises. There's not going to be some some incredible career year out of him. Uh, there's not going to be some some dramatic dip in his production either. I think that Jay, Jay is who he is, and he's still at a spot in his career, still at an age where he's going to produce it the, the way that he's produced the first eight, nine years of his career. All right, so the Mets get an outfielder who can play a little bit of first base, which is exactly what they were looking for. They were all also looking for a second baseman, and they were hoping that they could also poach a guy from the Indians potentially in Jason Kipnis, but the front office shot that deal down. Why? Yeah, who knows? I, I think that, uh, you know, with, with Kipnis, you, you get a guy with, with some value who is, uh, you know, certainly a, another guy who can be a leader who's had a very very good last few years except for 2017. He kind of struggled with injuries, and, uh, you know, maybe that scared off the Mets. They didn't want to punch through a deal that uh, was with somebody who was coming off a, an injury-plagued season. You know, they, have, they certainly have enough of their own guys who are in that same position. Maybe they didn't want to add another one. Uh, you know, maybe they feel like there's still somebody out there in free agency that is a better fit. You know, it's not necessary that they get a second baseman. They can also get a third baseman. As Drupal Cabrera has the flexibility, and so does Wilmer Flores, for that matter, to move around the infield. So if they get a third baseman, well, then Cabrera could just as easily slide over to second base as he could uh, start at third. I, I think he's just kind of penciled in at third right now, but that doesn't mean that he can't just as easily play second base. So, uh, you know, if, if they do go and grab a Todd Frazier to play third base, well, then Cabrera could just play second. So, you know, maybe they have their eyes out there on somebody else. I think Frazier's uh, a pretty good fit for them. 
you know, they have to be a little careful about adding just another power guy who isn't much of a, a base runner or anything like that because they've got a lot of those guys. But, uh, you know, I think Todd Frazier, you know, a guy from the Northeast, uh, he just played in New York last year as a member of the Yankees. So, you know, Jay Bruce well, certainly from their time in Cincinnati. So uh, I think that's a guy who's a great fit for them. And, uh, you know, if, again, if the contract numbers work out in the Mets' favor, I, I think Frazier – at third, Cabrera at second is just as good as Cabrera at third and Kipnis at second. Yeah, it could be interesting, too, because I feel like Todd Frazier's price could be driven up a little bit because a lot of people are looking at maybe a second-tier third baseman. The Mike Moustakas are too expensive. Uh, obviously, the Manny Machados are, might not even be uh, on their radar, but it, it could be interesting, the bidding war for Todd Frazier, especially between the two New York teams. So we'll see how that plays out. Do you feel like there are more reunions in the future? Neil Walker, Jose Reyes, even maybe in the bullpen, Addison Reed coming back? Yeah, I think I think I think it's extremely possible that if Frazier doesn't sign with the Mets, that you know Walker or Reyes could be that the next look for them. Um, you know, I I think Walker is a guy who again you know adds tremendous value as far as a leader. Uh, you know, Reyes at least has the ear of, of Ahmed Rosario, and uh, that could be helpful for the Mets to have somebody uh, that Rosario looks up to while he's maneuvering himself to be an everyday player at the major league level for the first time. Uh, and, you know, Addison Reed, you know, it, it's not to say the Mets couldn't use another reliever. So, uh, you know, I, I think that even with Anthony Swarzak down there joining Blevins and, and Ramos and Familia, that you could, if you threw in another arm and, uh, you know, you, you their bullpen kind of turns into a strength at that point that, you know, you'd really have a, a bunch of guys down there that you could turn to. And it sounds like Mickey Calloway, uh, knows what he needs to do to get the most out of all of his relievers. So I think if you can add more strength to that pen, then you're in even better shape than you were. So you know, I don't know that they'll add a reliever and an infielder. You know, Maybe they'll just go one route and not the other. I think the infielder is, is more of a priority for them than the, than the reliever is. But uh, you know, I, I think that the patience here will pay off. You know, as we've talked about, this, this market has been incredibly slow. And that will only favor uh, teams looking to get players at more of a discount. You know, maybe Eric Cosmer or, or J.D. Martinez, the uh, U Darvish, the upper echelon free agents will still sign the bigger contracts. But it seems like the other guys, even Mike Moustakis maybe, uh, will have to accept less than, than what they thought certainly Jay Bruce did. Yeah, that could be pretty interesting to see how that all plays out. Mets were also linked to the Pirates, talking about Andrew McCutcheon. Is that off the table now with the signing of Jay Bruce? Not necessarily. I, I think that you should, we still have Ligaris as a chip there. If, if you moved him to Pittsburgh, you could open up a spot in the outfield. You know, again, I think there's still playing time for, for Ligaris. I, I think that you know, just because Jay Bruce is in the fold, you know, we saw it last year. The Mets had essentially five outfielders. Curtis Granderson was still a part of the group last year, and you know they ended up needing all of them. You know, it's not necessarily the case that just because you have four guys who could start, and there's three obvious starters there with Bruce Conforto and Cespedes, doesn't mean you won't need Lagares. So I, I think that there's still um, value for him on the team. And if you get a guy like Andrew McCutcheon, you know maybe you have to play Jay Bruce at first base a little bit more. Maybe that cuts out Dom Smith in, in some ways. So. You know, I, I think if the Mets can still better themselves somewhere, that they should try to look at that. So, you know, maybe less likely now, but yeah, I don't think that it's com 
completely impossible they, they make that move. Who from the Pirates do you think is more unlikely to come over to the Mets, Andrew McCutcheon or Josh Harrison? Well, Harrison still fits you know, a lot better than McCutcheon does mm-hmm. because he can play uh, on the infield, and, and that's what the Mets – that's the next check for the Mets to to, to mark off is, is getting that second baseman or third baseman. So, uh, you know, I, I think Harrison, no injury history there. Uh, he's been to a couple all-star games. He's, he's a good player. He's a guy that's well-liked in Pittsburgh. He, he's he's uh, an effort guy. And I think that the Mets, you know, I, I think if they did pull the trigger on that deal, uh, they'd be they'd be happy with the return. But, you know, there's still a lot of avenues this team could go down to, to get that extra infielder. And uh, there's still some time, even though, you know, spring training starts in about a month. You know, it, I, it's not out of the question. They wait even until closer to that to, to make their final move. All right, Wayne, as we wrap up the podcast here, want to get one quick thought about the future of this organization. MLB Pipeline's Jonathan Mayo caught up with Dominic Smith at last weekend's Rookie Career Development Program. And here's what he had to say. 2017, in a lot of ways, was uh, was an exciting year for you. Uh, have you had a chance to to look back and have a little perspective of like, all right, well, I mean, my goal has always been to make it to the big leagues, and I made it to the big leagues. Definitely, you know, I definitely took a little bit of time this off season to reflect on reflect on 2017 for sure. Um, it definitely was a big year for me. Um, I finally made my debut, and that's obviously a dream dream come true. But and I wasn't satisfied with how I played in the big league. So, you know, sometimes it takes my family to really sit me down and really just kind of give me to understand what I accomplished over the year because I always get caught up in, you know, being a competitor and going out there competing every day. So um, I definitely have taken a, a chance to sit back and, and really enjoy and reflect on uh, 2017. Looking at the struggles that you had, you know, when you were up in New York, what, what were your lessons that you learned? Like, okay, this is what, this is what I need to work on because I know I can do these things better. I think majority of the stuff that I needed to work on and learn, in which I did learn up there, was to just stay mentally strong. You know, sometimes you, you beat up yourself too much or sometimes you get down on yourself because you have a bad game and then those games start to pile up and then a week piles up and next thing you know, you can't, you know, get yourself out the hole. So I definitely uh, learned I have to be mentally strong and I have to be mentally prepared every day and I have to just go in every day ready to fight. How much will that help you as you head into spring training? With, if not, you know, not a guaranteed job, but a ch- obviously a chance to to win an everyday job in the big leagues. I think the whole experience uh, of my last six weeks definitely helped prepare me for this spring training. I'm getting able to be around those guys and learn their routines and see what it takes to be a big leaguer every day. See their routines and see what you just have to do to prepare yourself on an everyday basis. Um, I definitely did, you know, take that into consideration. I took that in, implemented into my game, and I'm looking forward to show them what I learned in spring training. Uh, I don't want to harp you know, too much on the weight and the conditioning, but we saw you here, and I mean, you look like you you're in tremendous shape. What have you been doing this off season to prepare uh, from a physical standpoint and, and work on conditioning, nutrition, things like that? I just continuously to uh, implement and make sure that I'm eating the right foods, make sure that I'm waking up and, and hitting my workouts in every day, and you know that's something that I, I've been consistent with over the last you know couple of years. The workout part and you know the diet part is obviously coming around a lot better, and you know I know what my body needs to get into this kind of shape, so it's a lot easier for me to get ready for seasons. Okay, a couple of fun questions for you. What's your uh, your go-to uniform number? Like, if you had one uniform number that you could wear, and, and why? 
Uniform number? Number, yeah. Uh, 22. 22 is my go-to number. Um, I dated a girl when I was in high school. Um, I was a freshman and she was a senior and she played softball. And she ended up going to Texas and uh, she wore number 22. But my favorite number was seven. And being a freshman on my high school team, you know how the seniors, they get leeway with the numbers. And so the senior at the time, his name was Larry Brown, he had number seven. And, you know, she used to hit me ground balls all the time. And she told me, hey, you might as well just change to the deuce deuce. So I decided to change to 22. What's uh, the craziest experience that you've had in, in baseball? Uh, I think the craziest experience I probably had in baseball, um, uh, I've, been, I've been around a lot of stuff. I think one of my craziest moments I've been a part of was when I was in AA. And uh, me um, and my teammate, Matt Oberstee, we went back-to-back twice in one game. And it was pretty sick, you know. To go back-to-back once is pretty cool, but to do it twice in the same game, you know, it was definitely a, a, a day that I remember. Do you have a favorite uh, Major League Baseball memory, like when you were a kid going to a game or watching a game, something that sticks out when, when you were a kid as a baseball fan? I know the stuff that sticks out when I was seven, and uh, I was just getting into baseball. Um, I would watch every big league game that came on TV. I would wear the, I would wear my uh, T-ball uniform and watch those games. So um, I think that was uh, one of my funniest moments and memories for sure, and that's something that I'll never forget. All right, so we heard what Dom had to say. What do you believe is Dominic Smith's future with this team, Wayne? Well, I, I think that he makes his own future here. I think that he still will have the opportunity. I still think first base will be his job to lose. Um, you know, I, they didn't sign a guy in Jay Bruce that is, a, a, you know, an honest first baseman. You know, having Adam Lind, you know, that, that's, a, that's a first baseman who can play the outfield. Bruce is an outfielder who can play first base. And, uh, you know, to ask Jay to strap on that first baseman and, and give you 135 games there, I think is asking, would be asking way too much. So, you know, I still think that Dom has a, has the route to play first base, that he's still the guy there. And, you know, he's going to have to show the Mets that he belongs. He's, it's, it's up to him. You know, it's so different than Rosario. I mean, if, if Rosario struggles to play short and can't hit, well, then the Mets are going to have to look at other options, and and I don't I don't think they're going to need to. I think Rosario will be fine there, but uh, you know I think these whenever you're a rookie trying to break through on a team that's you know still trying to contend, I think the Mets have belief that 2018 will be a much better year than 2017. You know, Dom's going to have to produce. The, the kid gloves will be off, and he's going to have to show them that that he belongs at the major league level and, and can play every day. Wayne, before we let you go, let me just speak to that real quick and get your prediction. Now that Jay Bruce has signed back with the Mets, where do you think they finish in this division? I mean, they have to be a second-place team. You know, you still look at Washington like it's it's you know the incumbent champion. That's the team that to beat still a team that really is going into its last year of knowing that it's going to be. Uh, a playoff contender, you know, who knows what that team's going to look like if, if Harper and, and Murphy are gone after 2018. So, you know, it's really it for the Nationals. Uh, they're going to be tough to knock off. But the rest of the division, the Phillies, Braves, Marlins, even though Philadelphia is going to be better, you know, the Mets should still finish ahead of them. Uh, but, you know, if if the pitching's not there, this this team's not going to go anywhere. So uh, if, as long as they get Syndergaard, Grom, Matt, some of these guys to come back and pitch well, Matt Harvey, 
um, then then 2018 should look a lot brighter, and maybe maybe more like 2016 when this team made it to the wild card game. Yeah, Mets fans like hearing that for sure. All right, that's going to do it for us here on MLB.com Extras, our Mets edition. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode, so make sure you stay tuned. Thanks, Wayne. Appreciate it. All right, Alexa. Thank you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.